This is The Legal Impact, the weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs. Learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. In a tragic accident on the set of the film Rust, a firearms discharge resulted in the death of a cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, and injuring director Joel Souza. To dive into the complex nature of the situation, I'm joined by attorney Sean Watwood. He is an actor and a former student of Professor Michael McCann, who's our director of the Sports and Entertainment Law Institute, and he connected to us. So welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely thrilled to be here. I truly appreciate that. So to start off with, before we get into what's going on here, what's your background and where can people learn more about you? Uh, my background, uh, yeah, I have spent the better half of my entire career in the entertainment business, uh, specifically focusing on a lot of um, on film work in the past decade that includes on-camera work as well, and, and including a lot of advisement for business affairs uh, when it comes specifically to contracts and negotiating that for, going forward. I have a background in film, I mean, literally everything, music. Uh, wow. I currently work in international cultural affairs uh, for a foreign government, uh, which we do a lot of film, film rights, distribution rights, you name it. My hands are in it. You can find more about me uh, online at whatwouldhappen.com. That is my last name. So you, uh, cheaper than changing it, I went with it. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. Just It seemed we were just saying a minute before we started recording is basically if it could have went wrong or was handled incorrectly, it went wrong or was handled incorrectly exactly. in this situation. <laughs> I, I mean, to start off with I, this is an exceedingly messy situation with mm. safety procedures for starters yeah. and uh, who would be liable for what chain of command was messed up along the way. I mean, should we start with the set issues? Absolutely. And, you know, what's hard about and, and you're and you're right, everything that could have gone wrong. And, and there's so many little things along the way that contributed, sadly, to the death. Um, and, and so you're dealing with there was a the press conference today from the D.A. Santa Fe in New Mexico. Uh, they have 600 pieces of evidence. Right. Three guns were found. Uh, one was an actual gun that fired a bullet. One was an altered gun that probably wouldn't fire a projectile. One was plastic. Uh, how live round made it to on on a camera on a on a film site i mean if you look at safety bullets in number one in the sag afro rules um live ammunition should never be used or brought onto studio um or stage this this it never should have been there and to hear there was potential of rumors of people you know having target practice the guns weren't Everything that on the SAG was wrong, right? If you follow the union rules, right? They did not have, have the guns locked up. They were open during a lunch break. Uh, they weren't monitoring the guns. It was, they announced that it was a cold gun to Alec Baldwin. Three people who had specific hands-on. So you have Alec Baldwin, who, who was the actor and who fired the gun. But he was told it was a cold gun. You had the assistant director who brought the gun on set, told him it was a cold gun. Rumors are saying, you know, and, and it's all what people conjecture of he was rushing the shoot. And then you have an inexperienced 24 year old armorer who didn't lock up the guns, only had done this one time before. Um, it's just as a tragic accident where everything went wrong, possibly. And as far as who's to blame, I don't think we know that yet, but we know somebody will be. Um, if you look at what has happened in the past, uh, there was here, I'm in Atlanta, here in Atlanta, there was a, there was a um, uh, production assistant slash assist, a camera assistant killed on set. 
2014, the show was Midnight Rider. And once again, everything that went wrong went wrong. Uh, and it was a tragic accident with the train. And ultimately, people went to jail. And ultimately, it was a it was an awarded $11.2 million settlement to her family. Yeah, and there's a lot of money when you're talking about this production specifically. I mean, mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin is worth a considerable amount through his career, let alone everyone else that's attached to the film. Mm-hmm. Are, are They're definitely in danger of being sued uh, on the civil side of the house mm-hmm. here for the families of the family of Helena Hutchins, as well as the director. I mean, the director himself right. was, was shot, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, as more information is collected, what just the civil side they decide for to sure. do. Absolutely. And, and, you know, what's interesting is uh, even if it's not Alec Baldwin, the actor, it's going to be Alec Baldwin, the producer. Right. And, and that's really who they're going to go after. Right. And and it's hard, uh, you know, it, looking at this is his name is attached to this for the rest of his life. Uh, I mean, the news article is Alec Baldwin shoots someone on set. And all he was was probably, I mean, we don't know, but he was doing his job as an actor, right? Um, yeah, that, although, some of the rumors initially where he yeah. was he wasn't doing something properly at the time with regards yeah. to how he was handling the gun, but ultim- by some stuff that was released today, it's uh, Wednesday, October 27th, mm-hmm. it looks like he was practicing for doing the next shot. Like, there's right. a reason why he was pointing the gun. He wasn't necessarily being reckless with it as some of the right. initial rumors were. Yeah, and, and but, you know, and as we just continue to distill this, it never should be pointed at people. If you're doing a camera shot, no one should be there or at least safety glass behind them. Right. I mean, it just, once again, everything along the way went wrong. Um, right. And, and, and this is, I've been in this industry for so long, you know, it's a $7 million project. Insurance will cover some of the losses, right. But still uh, the damage is going to be great as well as they should be. But you ask yourself, what, is it really going to change anything? Um, and that's right. where my heart breaks is because, because really, I mean, safety has always been sacrificed. Uh, for the product, the people have always been sacrificed for the product. And that's kind of Hollywood 101, right? Is like in the actors involved, right? They're just happy to get a job. Uh, most of them are new actors. The armorer, this is her second job. Of course, she's trying to get, get a job and build up those credits and build up that experience. And shortcuts obviously were taken. And I think there is obviously negligence involved. Um, I just, we need to figure, it's going to take a while to partial out who who's going to have to carry that burden because it's going to, you know, be a lot of people. And the armorer is especially getting a lot of attention in this because she was working under her father's uh, mm-hmm. company at, at the time. So not only is she in danger through this, but her father and his company are also going to be looked at with a uh, magnifying glass on this. Yeah, absolutely. You probably saw where there were the, the they were supposed to have a staff of seven and they had a staff of two. Right. So safety and, and staffing was has led to this to getting to where we're at as well. Right. I mean, they did not have proper staffing. They did not have proper supervision. You know, they did not follow any of the SAG rules. There was no safety meeting beforehand. They did not lock up the weapons during break. There was so, uh, you know, live rounds were on set. They were pointing it at people. That's that is inherently even some of the actors responsibility to know those things and to feel safe. And so and even uh, an actor came out uh, on TMZ who was on the on set. And said, yeah, he had uh, he had projectiles fire, fired at him, hitting his face and hitting his body. Where the directors are behind glass, the cameras behind glass, and he's getting shot. Uh, so really, uh, safety was cut. And, and yeah, hey, this it's is early this days, but yeah. I mean, for the for the union side of it, I mean, this is this especially stands out, especially mm-hmm. when they were close to going. When a good part of the a substantial union that's attached to Hollywood was threatening to go on strike just right. a week or two ago mm-hmm. so it, i mean do you th- do you think this is going to have uh kind of be a poster child for making sure to pay the workers better when in these situations 
you know, I, I'm, I'm coming at this bias. I'm going to be honest. I am a union member. And so I hope so. Right. I'm very I advocate for the union uh, and the necessity of this union because I, you know, you've been on you. are. It is a SAG dictates even the type of smoke you use as fake smoke on set. You get hazard pay if you're working at specific heights. Right. Uh, we did. I did a, a film uh, and we were working on top of a power plant right so it was way up high it was at night and it was at wet it was smoke and i got a hazard pay bump but they still put us up there they still we're not belayed in we're still walking around we don't have rubber soled shoes on and so you know there's so many things that that safety is always going to be cut and and you just think it won't matter even the assistant director has a history of being kicked off a set because of firearms issues right so he this is in his past to cut these safety issues uh there was already alleged discharge of live rounds on the set from the stand-in for Alec baldwin and so once again it's colossal warning sign after warning sign after warning sign and nobody stopping in and saying this needs to be done. Yes. I hope the union takes note of this. Yes. I hope the, I hope this signals uh, that things need to be changed. We don't have to have this, this have a working environment anymore. Um, we can, we can grow and change. It's a new world. I think more than anything else, all the industries have taught us, we don't have to work like this anymore, but we continue to do that. Yeah. It's if, to me, it seems like as someone who I've, I've worked in, uh, uh, the journalism and media side of it, not necessarily in film production uh, per se, uh, but it seems to me like film production has this confusing balance as an outsider looking in between the very very creative side of the people that like the director, the actors uh, for for the above the line crew versus the below the line crew, which some, a lot of them are really passionate about what they're doing mm. when, when they're but. It, it's definitely a job that does not pay well. You're going to work crazy hours for, and then you might go a few months without getting paid at all. Right. And it's this extreme back and forth that's really hard to navigate. And it makes the the set must be really, um, just as a culture, must be really unique. It's a microcosm of, I think, of, of society, right? You have those who are taken care of and those who aren't. Those who are out there just scrapping, making a living. Some of it's their passion. Some it's just the job, specifically in a place like Santa Fe. And then you have a bigger picture of, you know, if criminal charges are pressed, what does that do to further productions in Santa Fe? Right. Is that going to scare off? Because incentives are a big business. I know Georgia, I think this usually per state, the entertainment business is going to be equivalent to your transportation budget. Right. And so Georgia, I think, received four billion dollars of production shoot during a pandemic. Santa New Mexico is not as big as big as a production um, site, but if you push, if you go pursue criminal charges, what does that do to future productions? Looking at Santa Fe, when they can probably bounce to Arizona, Nevada, or even Texas, so there's even big economic impact that can happen. How Santa Fe and how New Mexico chooses to pursue their legal action. Yeah, yeah, and it has large implications to the rest of the economy in these areas. If New yep. Mexico is magically not going to be getting very many productions because of the fear over this, yep. uh, they're going to. I mean, Atlanta was huge. I mean, how many film productions and TV productions ended up in, in Atlanta the last uh, fifteen years um, that didn't exist previously? Is no. people got sick of Hollywood in New York, so like, we're yeah. going to go pick up Atlanta. Yeah, and then the tax incentives here are, are massive. Um, the we're, we're, They're still building new studios. SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design, is building their own production studios down in Savannah. Elian Musk's uh, sister is building a production site here. The Kathy family are building new production sites. So it's more than you know Tyler Perry. It's, it's massive business down here. And it, it, it is full economic impact. Right? I mean, you're dealing with 
plumbers and electricians and we're a non-union state, they negotiated a lower rate. Uh, so even the SAG rates lower here um, for the daily rate. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a complicated issue. And you're looking, looking at, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars that New Mexico loses out on per production. Um, and for a state like New Mexico, they need that money. When you're looking at the, going back to Rust, I mean, mm. when you're looking at the uh, the the organization of the mm, film, okay. there, there's a, a very confusing mix of business law sort of things. And mm. when it comes to how this is handled, where there's, um, we, we talked about the armor having a corporation where they, they're their own production house. You're having Alec Baldwin as a producer on the film, so his exposure on this could go up, is in addition to being the person who fired the weapon, but also the fact it was his film mm-hmm. and how much exposure he's going to have on that. Then there's the, the the executive producers and the distribution houses and everything like that. I mean, uh, how far do you think this is going to go from a civil liability and a possible criminal liability? I think if they look at the the, the daily call sheet, which is like the, sh- the run up of what's happening the day of, right? So it's like it's your plan of, of what's going on that day. It's your shot list. Uh, there are four producers attached to that. Every single one of them, including Alec Baldwin, are, are going to face some set level of liability. You have the director and the assistant director. Both of them are going to face liability. Um, and then you have the armorer, right? They say that there's three people who've touched a gun. And any and I think anyone who goes above that. Probably most of them have a production company or business LLC that's attached to their to their name. Rust itself has as is a production company, right. uh, and so every single one I think is going to be open for uh, some civil liability. Uh, what do you perceive the next steps to be? Is it just a lot of investigation going all over the evidence and the logs that would have happened? Because I mean, leading up to this, there were mm-hmm. multiple. There were a bunch of workers that already had left the production out of concerns over the safety. Yeah, they had already less, let, lost their union camera crew. And so they were running a non-union camera crew. Uh, and so, yeah, I think next steps from what the report said today, there's 600 pieces of evidence. They're going to send all the guns and the, the actual projectile, the live round to um, to the FBI headquarters to be investigated for ballistics. So I think 600 pieces of evidence they're going to interview. There was up to, they say, 100 people on set that day, but 17 were in that vicinity of the shot. Um, so all of those people are going to be interviewed and really sort of building out a timeline of what steps what went wrong, all of the backstory of the set issues, um, all of the reports. If any, I do believe union reports were made from set. The you know safety concerns, all of those things will be concerned uh, will be investigated. I think more than anything, it it really is filtering through all of the evidence, and and hopefully by what next week we should have another another update of where we go from here. And when you speaking historically, when it comes to incidents mm-hmm. like this, I mean, you got to bring up Brandon Lee and the set right. of the crow. I mean, that's the obvious thing that keeps getting brought up. It's yep. it was a very similar situation, another tragic mm-hmm. incident yep. that happened on a production set with with a firearm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think this is going to continue to is this is going to set another precedent that's similar to what happened after that incident? My heart says I really hope it does. Um, my head says it, it won't change a thing uh, because Hollywood's a massive business and they, we, you know, we shoot films daily that have weapons. Um, and I think it still comes back to business uh, and comes back to your margins and your, it comes back to saving a step. And, and, you know, this, this is a freak accident, right? This doesn't happen a lot. Uh, and, and all, and so I don't think you can take this as symptomatic of the entire industry. My heart says, yes, I would love for us to 
remove all real guns from a set. We don't need them. We can add sound and 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 blast in post production. We don't need this thing. Um, but my head is saying the practical side of me is no, it won't change anything. We'll forget in six months. Sadly, it was really. I shocking. hope I'm wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the fact it was a real gun was like the biggest thing that was a right. surprise. It, it, it didn't click with me. Um, cause you always, and like I said earlier, I mean, gun. every single time I've been on set, I've had, I had to handle a weapon. Um, and this has been big budget union and, and, and smaller budget non-union. I've had a licensed, fed, a fed, a, you know, federally licensed, um, uh, are a handgun expert, usually a police officer, a former police officer, give me a safety meeting before I ever touched that gun. He, he would open the gun up and show me you know, no real bullets, nothing in here. It's empty chamber. This is how you hold it. This is how you manage it. It really was, you know, maybe, maybe what we do from here on out is, you know, if you, to drive a car uh, recklessly, you know, like fast and furious, you have to have a, a, a class, right? You have to be trained on driving those classes. Maybe if from here on out, if you're going to handle firearms, you need to be actually trained in those things, not just rely on the armorer, but rely on another, another hurdle going forward is the actor has to be uh, trained in firearm safety as well. Yeah, it takes one mistake. Right. It, take, it takes one mistake. The armor, like in this situation, maybe mm. was that day was especially uh, just something happened where they ended up accident making a mistake because it's always good to have that backup to minimize right. that risk. Yeah, it's one more thing. You know, we've all read Checklist Manifesto. Even McCann and I talked about that when he was my professor. Having an actual physical checklist that you go down of is it just to make sure. Um, and we'd have we'd have a life back if we just would have done that. Sean Watwood, thank you so much for joining me today. Fantastic. Thank you so much, man. You can learn more about him at whatwouldhappen.com, W-A-T-W-O-O-D, happen.com. Thanks for listening to Legal Impact, presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And check out law.unh.edu slash podcast to get the back episodes of the show.